Leave these on for a second. There we go. Justin Dunn here with Justin Answer. I like to fulfill my human potential and to help you fulfill your human potential. On that note, I have a very special guest here today. Uh, you can see him over there to my left, but I'll take him away for now. And then I am wearing some glasses. If you wonder why I'm wearing these particular glasses today, I will take them off so you can see my eyes. They are because of him. You got him to blame. And they are really to protect my eyeballs from the screens. We'll talk about why that's important in a minute. So make sure you stay tuned. We'll talk about how that affects your sleep and what we mean by better in bed. Um, we don't mean we're gonna address your sex life, although I'll tell you this, if you're sleep deprived, you ain't having a great sex life. I know I've been there. And if you are well rested, well, you know, maybe you will, maybe you won't. However, you don't wanna ruin your chances. So we'll talk about all of that and so much more with the world's, and this is my opinion, so go ahead and sue me, the world's number one sleep expert, Dr. Bruce. Dr. Bruce, or Michael, what would you like me to call you? Michael is great. Okay, Michael, thank you. Welcome to my podcast, and I will be monitoring the comments, so we are live, so if anybody decides to ask a okay. question, fire away. Uh, and if we have time, we'll get to it. Welcome. Thank you so much for uh, for having me. It's super, definitely an honor to be here. I'm excited to uh, mix it up and uh, you know learn a little bit more about what your audience is interested in, and um, hopefully spread some knowledge about sleep. Amazing. So um, you know, my audience is interested in all kinds of stuff, from business to health to wealth to the creation of sort of their, let's just say their optimum levels of vitality, yeah. their optimum levels of fulfillment of their human potential. So I'm going to ask you questions. So the first Fire question away. I'd like to break the ice with you is what's been your biggest challenge in business and how did you overcome it? So there've been several challenges um, that I've had in business to be fair. Um, there are quite a few when you when you kind of walk into sleep as a discipline it's predominantly uh, medical doctors right and so when you think about sleep and you think about sleep in the medicine universe it's always about sleep disorders right so apnea narcolepsy insomnia um, those types of things I decided to take a very different path I took a much more entrepreneurial path and I um, started working after about 10 years of treating those types of disorders I started working on what I call disordered sleep right and so disordered sleep is you don't have an official sleep disorder it's not a diagnosable scenario but you go to that room in the back of the house you go there for a couple of hours you come out and you feel like crap so what's going on there and and how can I fix that Unfortunately, there wasn't a tremendous amount of research that was going on in those areas. Most of the research in medicine is funded by pharmaceutical companies, medical device companies, things like that. So there's a very determined pathway um, for, for looking at that, those data. So I had to actually go outside of the United States to find my data, to then be able to bring it in, um, to then be able to you know, kind of get it out into the universe. Um, so that was challenge number one, was just legitimizing the area of study for people to understand that there's real science looking at things like mattresses and aromatherapy and light 
and sound and how do all of these things have an effect on our sleep. So that was certainly challenge um, number one. Um, challenge number two was my use of the media. So um, it was very interesting. I had a lot of uh, physicians in particular where I would stand up at a national meeting to answer a question or to pose a question. And um, on numerous occasions, I had several of my colleagues stand up and say, why were you on the Today Show last week talking about my research? Um, which was really interesting position to be in, in front of a national meeting, right? You know, and you're, and you're kind of there. And so the, what I always used to say to people is I'd say, well, did I get it wrong? And they would say, no, you, you talked about the research and you talked about the statistics and you understood all the background. And I said, so I'm confused. Are you just upset that you don't get to be on TV? And that's really what it boiled down to was, if you're gonna be on the media, you really gotta know your stuff. And if you're gonna be quoting somebody else's research, you damn well better know every aspect of that study. Because if it's not your own and you're kind of being the journalistic reporter, if you will, or the aggregator of information, that's gonna be important. But there is gonna always be a level of, for lack of a better term, professional jealousy that comes with exposure. You know, um, I've had people, you know, I've had the fortunate uh, to meet with the president before and talk with them about sleep. I've had the good fortune of meeting with some of the most powerful people in the world and talk with them about sleep, celebrities, politicians, athletes, those kind of people. And so it puts you in a bit of a different category. Uh, and so a lot of people said, well, why, why do you have a website called The Sleep Doctor? Um, you know, and it's not devoted to medicine. It should be, you know, these types of ideas. And so I've, I can tell you that I have definitely had multiple challenges, but I'll tell you the biggest challenge that I've had, um, which was interesting and one that I embraced and one that I feel now much more comfortable with was when I first entered into the universe of direct marketing um, and sales, marketing, you know, digital marketing and these types of things. There are several people out there who had um, sleep sort of pathways that they were bringing people down and, um, and they weren't educated. Um, and so what I discovered is, is there's many people in the world that are just going down their personal health journey. Right. And so what worked for them, if they had a sleep problem, they then wrote a book about or they developed a program about to try to help other people. And um, and I had to really become comfortable with that idea, because these are people with zero professional uh, training, uh, don't understand the medicine of what's going on, yet are now considered experts in sleep in the field. Here I am, Dr. Bruce. Yes, I'm board certified in sleep medicine. Yes, I have a PhD in clinical psychology. Yes, I've got 20 years of experience and I'm being told that I don't know what I'm talking about because so-and-so who figured out that, you know, uh, drinking coffee at three o'clock in the morning helped them sleep or whatever um, is now the new expert in sleep. And so that was a very interesting uh, thing for my ego, number one, but also for figuring out how to distribute information. And so what I decided to do was to embrace um, those health journeys that they were on and, and, and coincide with them. And so when I would get on a panel with one of these people, um, one, one of my uh, favorite ones is uh, Sean Stevenson. He wrote a book, um, Sleep Smarter or Smarter Sleep. Um, he and I might be on a panel together and, I, and if he told a story about something that he did that helped with his sleep, I would talk about the science behind why that worked for him. And then also explain to people that there would also are alternatives to his methodology in case that one didn't work for you. And we actually became quite good friends and we have given, uh, we've actually talked together before. So it's, it's one of those situations where you can't walk into a new distribution channel of information and think that just because you've got credentials, you're going to be the top dog. 
because you really need to understand who's in that distribution channel, what's the authority that they play, what's the what's the uh, relationship equity that they have with that tribe, and and, and if you want to be part of that, um, you, you know, how do you do that? That's really interesting because I think that that particular challenge that you're talking about is not unique to your field, no. to your level, to your expertise, to doctors, to medicine. That particular uh, challenge of credibility, authority um, is pervasive to all of us in, in business. I used to joke around with people. Um, I still do when I go to certain board meetings because I'm, you know, Board of Directors of the Disneyland Alumni Club, if anyone's watching, hello, and, uh, you know, and other things, because uh, I used to work there in California. And so I, I tell people sometimes, you know, should I just get a bottle of Grecian formula and dye my hair gray? Would you believe me then? Because right. the truth is, is gravitas or whatever word you want to use, sometimes it, I don't have a gravelly voice or I don't have gray hair or my energy is a little bit more playful and amusement. And, and it's just... It doesn't mean that I'm any less competent, experienced, insightful uh, as as somebody, you know, older or perhaps my age, but less healthy than I am. So they appear older. So it's very interesting that that affects people and manifests in so many different ways. Um, And uh, the reason you're here is because of those challenges, because you did go down yeah. that route of being mm-hmm. entrepreneurial and legitimizing yourself in that way, as opposed to uh, being just some medical doctor that, you know, publishes that I would have never come across, even though my dad's a doctor, I, I don't read medical journals. So right. this way you, you're reaching so many more people. And it's interesting that you have to compete with people who are non-experts who who really perhaps don't know what they're talking about and can't back it up properly because I run into that tremendously in the business strategy and consulting world there are you know I I can count uh, on one hand maybe one and a half hands the, the the real people that you'd work with them and they like like me they install in your brain a, a decision-making matrix and you never need another consultant again the rest of them it's like string you along with a good idea here and yep. there and, he, and i'm talking even the big five which i won't name and defame but the big five that you'll pay a million dollars for a six-month consultation and all of your young folks coming in with their degree in in and MBAs will tell you that they'll give you wonderful PowerPoints, presentations, this, that, and the other thing. And you'll be hypnotized to the point where you forgot what you actually first reached out to them for, what problem it was you were solving because that problem doesn't get solved. And so that's why I say I can count on a hand or a hand and a half um, the number of people that really catalyze transformative change in business. And the same thing is true when it comes to what it is that you do. Cause I, I, I've read and heard and you know, so much about sleep over my lifetime. And yet <laughs> when I first came across your stuff, that's the right. first time where I've been like, yes, these glasses make a difference. Yes. The right. eye mask, and I never wore an eye mask. I was like, what the hell? Not even on an airplane, but that actually does, does make a difference. And I know that I can tell you right now, cause last night I forgot to stick my eye mask on. Right. Boy, I woke up just a little bit more tired, not a little bit, significantly more tired than I did yesterday morning. Uh, just cause I forgot to stick that on. And it's like, ah, wow. And it's right there. It's not, but anyway, so there's, there's all of these tips that you've given for free 
on, on your website, which is remarkable, which has really made a transformative change in my sleep. Maybe I look better now than I did 10 years ago, <laughs> partly because of that. No joke. You and never so, know, dude. And so that's, that's really absolutely amazing. So um, back to you. So what would you say is the accomplishment that you're most proud of so far? Wow. Um, I've been very fortunate. I've had the opportunity to do some things that have been quite, uh, quite remarkable. Um, so let's see, I created the, the largest uh, sleep hygiene program that's ever been run in uh, the United States. So we created a sleep hygiene program with Crown Plaza Hotels in 60,000 rooms across the Americas for over 10 years. So we were educating people. Every time you went into a Crown Plaza, there was something called the Sleep Advantage Program. And the Sleep Advantage Program taught you how to get a better night's sleep in that hotel room without having to have any special equipment or anything of that nature. And um, that was pretty remarkable um, type of situation. That, I, I, that was certainly an accomplishment in and of itself. Um, but I would say the, the thing that was the hardest to accomplish and the thing that I felt I had the most impact um, was a very, I gave a lecture. It was only one lecture um, and I gave it, it's, uh, it was out the uh, Los Angeles County Mission. And I was asked to sleep, I was asked to speak to 20 shelter kids and teach them how to sleep on the street. And that was the most profound thing I've ever done. Wow. By okay. far. And so I was, and, and during the Q&A from the kids, <clears throat> uh, one of the children uh, said to me, in complete honesty, I think she was like 11 years old or something like that. She said, how do you sleep through gunshots? That was her question, right? Like that just levels it all out, you know? So I would say those were some of the times that I felt like I had the most impact or that I've had the opportunity to change lives in a very unique uh, perspective. And, and you know, sleep lets you do that. I mean, that's the cool part about my topic, right? Is everybody sleeps or doesn't, as the case may be. Um, and so it's, um, I, I get to talk to people like the president and, you know, uh, athletes and homeless children and my next door neighbor and everybody because everybody asks a question about sleep and sleep affects literally everything that we do. It certainly does. It certainly absolutely does. I was talking to a very renowned uh, communications expert and, and trainer from uh, Germany. And um, we were talking a little bit about sleep and I, and I asked him, how is it that you managed to wake up at four in the morning for this one thing that I refuse to do? I refuse to wake <laughs> up at four in the morning for this one Me too. Uh, webinar. And he explained, oh, it's just a decision. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. Well, I make the decision not to do that. But um, it's interesting that, that um, we have, and we'll talk about this more. I, I like to do little cliffhangers, if you didn't notice. So we have different sleep types. Right. Correct. And I, um, so we won't reveal them quite now, but um, learning what mine was dispelled, I don't know how much, but it is big and significant quantity of myths around sleep, misinformation sure. around sleep. What time you got to go to bed? What's the optimum time you got to go to bed? When do you. Uh, 
sleep patterns because many people have chimed in with that biohackers and all i mean tim ferris has a whole thing in right. one of his books about these broken sleep patterns and i tried that and i'll tell you what that did not work for me and that's probably because it didn't match my sleep type but understanding my sleep type did two things for me really number one i get how i can function the best for me number one and understand why these other methods don't work for me. Number two, I understand other people and why it's actually okay for, you know, uh, my nephew who uh, doesn't have the same sleep type, obviously, because right. he can function completely different, driving me nuts a little bit, but it's, <laughs> it's okay. I can, I can get it, or my mom or other people, why they can function on different patterns of sleep and what that looks like and what that means. And that's been, very helpful on like just a human relations thing because i can i can i get it and um so so it it's incredible but the other thing i wanted to say before we get back to you is that this notion of you're most proud of what you did for somebody else or a bunch of other people in the as the case may be is really important and it's a lesson i keep driving home there ain't nothing wrong with it if you said my proudest moment is shaking hands with the president or whatever you know i, I shook hands with prince charles in, in, in the Buck, garden of buckingham palace is that my most proud moment no my most proud moment is is a, a young a young man at the time named aaron who was about to get fired and I decided to step in and intervene for gross misconduct, by the way, and intervene and, you know, let me have a chance. And I did a few very unconventional management things and not did he not get fired, but for gross misconduct, which would have been the end of his career, but he um, became the top performer in a team of 200 and later promoted into management and now senior management in his home country. So my most proud moment is something I was able to accomplish with one guy and because I saw something in him and it's this idea of doing something for somebody else and thereby deriving the pleasure for yourself is so important in business because it's all about the result it's all about what you do for somebody else that gets you that remuneration also right. known as pay and <laughs> For the Machiavellian out there, that's okay. Even if you do it because you're selfish, that's okay. But you have to always keep in mind that your pay will be in proportion to what you do for someone else. So even if you're doing it for the pay, which I don't recommend, you still need to keep in mind the other fellow. And so I love that. And I love that it's genuine and that's the answer to your question. So how um, did having a core strategy play into achieving that accomplishment so it was it it was interesting because you have to be in the right place at the right time right i'm not a big luck guy i'm a good prepare guy and timing guy and so you know for all of the situations where i've had i had to be you know where i had to be visible so I would say that was probably a big thing. And getting that level of exposure is something that we've had as part of my brand for the entirety of the brand. Of course, the brand's name is The Sleep Doctor. Owning that website is certainly beneficial. Um, owning all the social properties that with that name on it is certainly quite helpful. Um, but if you don't, if you build it and they show up and it's crap, they don't come back. 
Um, and so the goal has always been to drive the highest level of reference content um, about sleep on the internet. And that's always been kind of the focused structure. And so we like to do it in any way, shape and form that we can, whether that's me giving a lecture, that's me writing a blog, that's me doing a video. Um, in many cases, um, if that's me uh, promoting a product, Many people ask me about, you know, how did you get involved in promoting products and why um, do you feel that that's an important aspect for your brand and, and how is that part of the structure of the brand? So to be clear, I make money from endorsement deals. Um, that's how that works. Uh, however, um, I don't endorse every product that um, people show up at my doorstep with. And so we have a very significant process of data analysis for every single product that I'll endorse. So there has to be either prior data on it, or if the company comes to me and they say, hey, we've got this new thing, but we don't have any data, but we've, we tried it on Aunt Sally and Cousin Susie and it works really well, then what I'll do is I send them to um, a research institute for consumer products testing and consumer products research. And so they have to actually get data. So if, if you're looking for the fundamentals of my brand, it's exposure of referenced um, uh, information that's solid and good and helpful for people, not the academic line from the academic journal, but, but the translation, I would argue, of that, that piece of data into how do I apply it to my life. I'd say that is a, is a main focus um, and, and exposure of that. And then everything I do is data driven. So it's got, you've got to have real data behind it or I'm not going to talk about it. And, and I'm happy to you know, talk about every product that's on my website because I know them, I use them, I test them. Um, and so that's the other thing is we have to be the authoritative standard um, that's out there because um, quite frankly, like I was talking about before, if I'm at a professional meeting, some guy's going to try to knock me off my, my peg um, and say, oh, you, you know, you endorse this product, you know, and, and, you know, we don't agree with your stance and blah, 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 blah. So I think it's about knowing your stuff. I think it's about um, exposure uh, of good data. And it's about knowing how to collect real information and knowing that your stuff works. Those would be the three guiding principles. Those are fantastic because um, I'll tell you what, that's, I mean, that's the reason, you know, I have those and, and the right. force, the darker, the darker pair for the, for the evening, yep. because uh, when I looked at your recommendation, I was like, right. Okay. Cause you can get cheaper ones on Amazon. Yes. Those are totally there, yep. but they have very interesting qualities. Uh, in fact, not much to show for them beyond let's say a cheap pair of blue blocker sunglasses exactly you can just and use those and those are good but these things right. are another level and i see people make that mistake all the time which is yeah. they go for the cheap doo-doo right. um and they don't get the result and then they and think then they wonder why and that, well and then they think <laughs> that it's because the whole idea of protecting yourself with screen glasses is baloney but actually the baloney was the product that they selected exactly. was just an inferior product it's like it's like comparing a pinto to a mercedes it's just you know not going to be but see that's but see that's the crux of it all right is exactly what you're detailing out 
is that's why I do this is because if you go to my website, I've got five different blogs on blue light blocking glasses. I teach you exactly how to choose the right ones. I even created my own line because I couldn't find ones out there that were gonna meet the standards that I was gonna hold these products up to. And that's why I did that. So it's exactly right. And, and you, you really outlined it perfectly. And thank you for doing that, which is if we have bad products out there what it, and with snake oil and crap, what ends up happening is people, they don't just look at the product and say, oh, that was a bad product. They look at the idea and they say the idea doesn't work. And that's not true. The science is real on this stuff, but you've got to have the right products with the proven data to actually make it work. And I think that's really the big problem. I see that happen, interestingly, when we're talking about brands, I see that happen a lot with big, big, big brands, you know? So, I mean, I hate to pick on people, but like if you took, if you looked at like the Walmarts of the world, you know, they get things very inexpensively and they distribute them across mass, but at the same time, Where's the science, right? Like, what are the, like, how are they really, like, who's vetting the product set and who's helping the consumer find the right thing? That's what doesn't seem to happen. That's why I like having a brand that's nimble, um, where I, because, like, as an example, I actually answer the questions. If you send a question to my website, I get it and I answer it. You know, like that doesn't happen when you go to a lot of these massive places, you know, where you're trying to learn something about a product or a service or a, a piece of information. So, you know, I like the, I like the nimbleness of the smaller brand because um, it, it affords me the opportunity also to meet really nice people. You know, I mean, our, our exchange is an example of that, right? You sent me something that said, hey, I thought you might be interested in this. And I was like, oh, that's, you got an answer from me, right? Oh, that's yeah, really yeah. cool. And now here we are having this cool conversation. I get to talk to your tribe. You get to talk to my tribe. I mean, that's what it's all about. So I, I, I think that, I think that we're moving into this universe now of, away from the, um, the Z-Quills of the world, right? Away from this mass product that goes in every single drugstore in the universe and is supposed to solve everybody's problem with one solution. I, I've never seen that solution, you know, just to be fair. There's, there are many solutions because quite frankly, even if you just look at one thing like insomnia, I think there's like 15 flavors of insomnia, dude. Like there's so many different types. What would make anybody think that one drug, over-the-counter, herbal supplement, or hormone would fix it all. It, it doesn't work that way, <laughs> you know, and that's, that's part of the issue as well. And, and it's really interesting you say that because um, I, I, I do a lot of work in, with certain associations, and I'm a fellow of the Institute of Leadership and Management, and we have uh, mm -hmm. special quarterly issues that come out in a magazine, and and um, I hope I'm allowed to say this, but the, the, um, there's going to be a theme on collaboration um, coming up. And it's, it is something that is so much more powerful in business and, and it, versus the sort of competitive mindset. And partly that's because nobody can serve everybody it, I, I asked that question i was like when when i talked to a, a mentor of mine shout out to mark joiner if he's listening i did recommend the these to him but you know we'll see he likes his blue blockers he was friends with joe sugarman but um but anyway so um i asked him a question once about compet competition i'm like there's so much competition out there can i do this you know on, especially online and he's like he, he didn't even answer the question he just asked me how small do you think the world is 
Right. I was like, I thought that was brilliant because the world's so huge. There's plenty of business for everybody. So collaborative yes. efforts, as long as they're ethical and moral and of benefit to both ways and meaningfully yep. monetizing, just like with your products, this this notion, which again, I, I hate this mindset that some people have where if there's any, you know, remunerative arrangement then it's it must be that must be the only reason you're doing it because of the money and so you sold out no that's not how it works it's if i promote this i would hope that you know i get some kind of you know thank you out of it however i would never promote this if it was garbage and i didn't use it myself the issue is very similar to the other one we talked about there are those charlatans out there who will just promote anything as long as you line their pockets and deceive their customers. I know some of them are very famous and we won't name them because I don't want to defame anyone or get sued, but some of them are very famous and they don't, yes. they don't know, they haven't read some of the material they're promoting and they just right. throw it out there, sell it by the millions and reap the rewards. And unfortunately that has painted other people who don't do that with a similar brush. And so it's very important that people get the message that me, you, when there's a product involved and we say that, um, I don't always get, you know, uh, compensation for it. I, I don't, I don't for, I don't right. for your glasses, but the, the, the point is, is I, I only promote stuff because I love it. I use it and I stand by it. If there is a remote, you know, compensation involved, what would be wrong with that? So, so here's how I play that out on my website <clears throat> is what we're doing there is I actually will have a video. Uh, we've actually just started shooting these videos now where I explain why I like this product. So it's not text. It's not like something that looks like somebody else could have written it for me. It's Michael Bruce saying, okay, so like, here's a perfect example is I just started endorsing a company called Ebb Therapeutics and they've created a device, real science, one of the top sleep researchers in the world, Dr. Eric Knopfsinger, where you put this thing on your head and it cools the front of your skull, which actually slows down executive functioning and helps you fall asleep. It helps with people who can't stop thinking before bed. It's got real science behind it, right? So what I do is I create a video and I say exactly what I just said. Right, which is, let me show you this guys. Like I met the scientist and there, here's the science and look at this and I talk about the data and I'm like, this stuff works. Like if you wanna check it out, check it out. Here, here's the reasons why you should check it out and here are the people that this would make sense that it would work for. And so what I do is I qualify everything. It, and, and, people, and I tell people, it says very clearly on my website, I will receive compensation if you purchase this product. Right? Why? Because I've just spent a lot of time and energy creating this information for you to help you find this. If the company says, thank you, Michael, for doing something like that by giving me 5% of the, of the retail price of the product, I can't imagine that you would care, right? You'd be like, thank you. That's, that's part of the price of understanding the process, right? And part, that process is part of the product. So it's always very interesting, but I would argue that if you're gonna do it, be upfront about it, be as transparent as you possibly can be, let everybody know what's going on and have real data, right? Real data is like the the great equalizer for me, you know? It's like, if you, if you don't like the fact that I'm getting paid for it, look at all the research that I just did to tell you about, it. and here's the data and here's how it works. Was that helpful? Yeah, then give me five bucks, right? It's, yeah. it's really that simple. 
It really is so simple, isn't it? And so I, I love it. By, by the way, these, um, th is, so did you start this company or is this? So I have two different lines of blue light blocking glasses. I just developed a, uh, my own line um, that's called Sleep Doctor Glasses. Um, oh, and okay. so we're, we're really excited about that. But yes, I, so I it's but not the ones launched that you yet. have. It is not launched yet. Oh, uh, actually, it's launching. It is launch actually, it's launching. Actually, I take that back. It is. It's available on Amazon, as a matter of fact. Oh, right. So, okay. Well, you'll yeah, have yeah. to uh, let me know. I'll send you some. You'll check them out. How, well, yeah, I'll definitely want to check them out because uh, I, I like these ones that you recommended. They're really good. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And I've tried, I, buy, I have tried others, by the way. I don't, uh, I, um, you know, this Spanish company and all that. They, they look really mm -hmm. cool, but how functional are they? I don't know. I don't know because the data behind what right. they present is just data that they've found that I could find, you know, about exactly. sleep in general. It's not data about their specific lenses that they're exactly. putting in there. And, and that's the problem, you know, is people they take But they claim, yeah. Of course they do. And this happens, by the way, in the supplement world all the oh, yeah. time, <laughs> right? And so like people will say, oh, uh, you know, you're using magnolia bark. And, and so uh, we're gonna look at the studies surrounding magnolia bark and then we're going to say that that study that used that level of magnolia bark is applicable to my product, right? And so the reason that that doesn't work very well is number one, interaction effects, right? So that study might have been done only on that, let's we'll keep using magnolia bark, whereas this, the, the new supplement might have magnolia bark and um, I don't know, THC and CBD and who knows what it's going to be in it, right? So there's combinations of different things that could have. Yeah. An effect and so again it's it's really about the data it's really about transparency and it's really about getting the consume the end consumer the information that you would think I, I try to think of it like this if I was gonna give this to my wife or my son or my daughter how would I be able to present it to them in a way that they would understand it accept it and utilize it and that's that's the goal and behind all that you have to be comfortable presenting it to them you have it has sure. to be up to the standard where you're not causing them harm because exactly. um because and, and you know what and i know that anyone who uses it will thank me will thank me just right. like it's Absolutely. the same when i refer people to connect or you know with with uh, an individual for a service like you know a website you know i, I have a design you know i refer someone to a uh, a designer that i know because i know that they will say thank you that was a wonderful experience. This website is phenomenal. It, you know, blah 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 blah. They will thank me for that, and so that's always the way I like to keep it in mind and yeah. keep it simple for myself. Is I only will present someone if they think, and if and if it's not, I tell some. Sometimes I've even said this. I said, look, if you if you hate it, tell me, I'll pay for it. It's come out of my pocket. That's Absolutely. how confident sometimes I am with these things. Like if you ever visit here in Nottingham, I'll take you to a cafe over here. Uh, although caffeine, I'm not sure. Uh, well, uh, a cafe over here. And I tell everyone the same thing. If you have the, forget the coffee, the coffee's good. But if you have any of those cakes that they sell <laughs> and you hate the cake, you hate the cake, try three of them. I will buy them for you because that's how they have a magic formula here. They like, uh, it's insane. Now, interestingly enough about, um, about uh, caffeine, and this is that's not a question for you, but it's something that I learned from, from uh, a, another contact of mine, Eric Edmeads, who runs a program called Wild Fit. And that yeah, is Eric's that- Eric's a good friend. Uh, 
well, there you go. And so, uh, it, it, what a small world, because Eric and I have a mutual friend in common. Eric, by the way, studied with the gentleman I mentioned before we went on the air. Oh, so, gotcha. mm -hmm. uh, so, uh, but he all, but uh, Joffrey, shout out to Joffrey, is a good friend of mine who I've known for 20 years since we were both actors in LA. And, mm -hmm. uh, and he knows Eric as well and lives on the neighboring island, you know, that is this, mm -hmm. such a small world. But anyway, so, so, you know, Eric did a master class once and he, he was talking about caffeine and he said, interesting thing that you don't know about caffeine is, um, and, and this might not be science, I don't know, but he, he said, it certainly works for me, is that I could take caffeine before bed and I can still fall asleep. That's, I, I don't have that issue. The issue, he says, that everybody can't escape is the fact that when you have caffeine, even in the morning, you'll never really achieve the deepest possible sleep that you can get because it stays in the bloodstream up to 48 hours. Now, That's I right. have found that to be true. When I have even caffeine in chocolate, forget coffee, my sleep is, I wake up the following morning not refreshed. And so when let's I talk absolutely about abstain from caffeine, I wake up fresh. So anyway, so the next question I was going to ask you anyway, and this is perfect okay. segue to that, is what are three to five skills, moves, or techniques that protect against failure? So this would be a perfect time for you to share caffeine and whatever else you would like to share with people today. Sure, sure. So so I, I, there's two different ways that I can answer this question. So what do I do to, to compete against failure? Uh, was the question, is that correct? Pr protect against failure protect against failure. So, so I'm going to be honest with you. I do nothing to protect against failure. I love failure. I don't learn when I win straight out of the gates ever. I really learn and I get better the more I fail. I really had to get a, I really had to come to terms with a relationship with failure. Um, and that was, that took me a long time to do. Oddly, you're gonna think this is ridiculous, but oddly enough, I watch, I, I watch motivational videos um, all the time um, because I find them to be, aside from motivating, I, I really do learn a lot from them. And um, Will Smith, um, Stephen Harvey, and Denzel Washington are my three favorites. I, I think it's fascinating that I learned so much from these men. Um, and, uh, and they all talk about being respectful of failure and and mastering failure i like to fail as quickly as i possibly can because long failures just suck they just take the life out of you um but i like failure because it's where i learn the most and it's where i grow the most and it's where i accelerate the most um now to be fair the second way i would answer this question is i would say that um getting a good night's sleep um is critically 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 important to avoiding failure or to uh, observing failure and to uh, to taking advantage of failure. And I have five things that everybody out there can do um, right now. Very simple, very straightforward, and it's, they're easy to remember. So step number one is to stick to one wake up time. So I don't really care what time you go to bed, but you've got to have one wake up time. I personally would prefer it if it was based on your chronotype. Uh, which is something that you and I talked about a little bit earlier. Um, so whether or not you're an early bird, a night owl, somebody in the middle, or somebody with difficulty sleeping, there are four avatars. Uh, and we can put in the show notes if you head over to chronoquiz.com. You can learn more about that. But one wake-up time based on your chronotype, which is your genetic wake-up time. Step number two is to stop caffeine by 2 p.m. 
So you're 100% correct about caffeine. Caffeine can stay in your system up to 48 hours. Um, but half-life of caffeine, depending upon how fast a metabolizer you are, is about eight hours. And so I, if I have people stopping at two, the bulk of the caffeine is out of the system by about 10, which is kind of about the time when most people want to go to bed. Um, interestingly enough, as a side note, here's a little hack for you. But if you have steamed broccoli for dinner, it actually pulls the caffeine out of your system two to three times faster. So it actually helps with the there's an enzyme in broccoli when it hits your stomach that creates it actually helps eat up the caffeine faster, um, oddly enough. So that's kind of an interesting little hack. Um, but I tell people to stop caffeine by 2 p.m. Uh, step number three has to do with alcohol. Um, so it takes the average human body approximately one hour to digest one alcoholic beverage. And so, but alcohol destroys your deep sleep. Um, in fact, that's part of the reason you get a hangover is because the physical um, uh, reparations that occur during stages three and four sleep are almost completely obliterated with alcohol. So I, I ask people to stop drinking alcohol three hours uh, before bed. Um, so that way we know that they've metabolized through the amount of alcohol that they've had. Hopefully they haven't had over two glasses of alcohol um, and they should be drinking water with that as well, especially towards the evening times. Um, step number four um, has to do with exercise. You should exercise every single day. Part of the reason that you sleep is to recover. What are you recovering from? Physical exertion. If you don't physically exert yourself, your body doesn't necessarily need to recover, so you get a lighter sleep. So you wake up feeling less refreshed. This is a reason why um, when people tell me that they're regular exercisers, that they report that the quality of their sleep has risen significantly. The only problem though, is if you exercise too close to bedtime, your core body temperature is up and it's hard to fall asleep. So I ask people for step forward, exercise daily, but to stop exercise four hours before bed. And then step number five is very simple. It's when you wake up in the morning, you wanna drink 15 ounces of water and get 15 minutes of sunshine. Um, and so sleep in and of itself is a dehydrative event. Most people don't know that. We lose almost a full liter of water every night just from the humidity in our breath um, as we breathe out. Um, and so drinking water immediately is a very good idea. Sunlight is important because it turns off the melatonin faucet in your brain and it keeps uh, you alert and more awake. And so a lot of people tell me, oh, I got morning fog, I can't wake up. Sunlight is the key to that. So in, in summary, step one is one wake up time. Step two is to stop caffeine by 2 p.m. Step three is to stop alcohol three hours before bed. Step four is to exercise daily, but to stop exercise four hours before bed. And step five is to give the sun a high five in the morning, drink 15 ounces of water and get 15 minutes of sunlight. That's how I avoid my failure in terms of allowing myself to get the rest I need to then be able to produce. Does that make sense? Yeah. It makes perfect sense. It's the systemic failure that we're avoiding here, not the failure exactly. in, in, in trying things or being afraid of. I know here in the UK, people are very afraid of failing and it causes such a reticence in business that, that mm -hmm. it's just an, an, an aversion to risk taking that, that um, it's remarkable that a lot of businesses survive the way they do considering how fearful they're managed, but it's okay because it's a cultural thing. But right. We're not talking about that because failure is actually a very learning. I mean, even in the in one of the newer Star Wars movie, Yoda goes on a little thing with with Luke right. about failure, you know, and so he goes <laughs> on his whole thing. And so failure is absolutely not to be avoided or feared, as long as we're able to take that third position that 
external viewpoint, learn from it, not get destroyed by it. But what we're talking about here is that systemic failure where your system is shutting down because you've screwed your sleep and body and, you know, and that's what we're really talking about here. Now, I have a question that came in from Joe Tan, uh, a friend of mine from Singapore. Um, And she says, I I came in late, so I am lost. I was anticipating him to share about what helps to sleep well, any suggestion on tracking sleep and the various Mm -hmm. stages of sleep. And that's interesting because we hinted at the stages of sleep when it came to caffeine. Um, We hinted at that a little bit. Uh, Tracking. Yes, I I noticed you. It looks like you have an aura ring on your finger. And so that's it. I don't own one of those. I just I'm creeped out a little bit by tracking. So I just don't Mm -hmm. want tracking. But yeah, but that might be a a solution. I don't know what else you have to suggest. And what helps to sleep well. I mean, we've already talked a lot, quite a bit about that in those, you know, the three to five things. So yeah, I can nail this pretty quickly. Yeah. So when we're talking about tracking, Um, and we're talking about sleep in general, here's the problem. Sleep is a very complicated metric. Um, It's very easy to count steps, right? Because all you need to know is the length of the leg and your gait. I mean, it's a calculus problem, right? But if I ask you how well did you sleep last night, what are you gonna say, right? 37, 48, 109, like, you know, how do you metric that is the real problem. Is it how quickly you fell asleep? Is it how quickly you got to deep sleep? Is it how quickly you got to REM sleep? Is it how much REM sleep? Is it how much deep sleep? Is it your number of awakenings? Is it the length of your awakenings? You can, I could go on for days with all the different variables of how do we quantify sleep. And so to be fair, it's not an easy statistic to figure out. I, I would argue that the aura ring probably does it the best. Um, that's been my experience and here's why. Because of the form factor of the ring itself, because it's on here, it can actually also measure temperature, blood pressure, oxygen. There's a whole host of things that you can measure from here that you can't measure from a wristband um, because it's, it's not gonna have the contact that you're looking for or the sophistication, quite frankly, in the algorithm. Um, hmm. Also, many of the trackers never bothered to hire sleep specialists. So what they did was they just got, yep, they just got engineered. They're tracking companies. They're not sleep companies, right? So what do they do? They find people who can teach them how to metric something, and then they use that metric. And unfortunately, in many cases, that metric could be inappropriate. Um, And so if you don't understand sleep as a whole, it's hard to say, as an example, if it tells you you got 13 minutes of REM sleep, who cares? What does that mean? Well, how is that relative to anything that's out there? So here's what I would tell most people is tracking is good for overall gross um, assessment of your sleep. So if it tells you you got a bad night's sleep last night, but you don't think you did, the tracker's probably wrong. If you felt like you got a good night's sleep and the tracker says that you did get a good night's sleep, it's probably right. So again, remember the sophistication of these trackers is somewhat difficult and and, and a little bit in flux in general. When we're looking at the stages of sleep, um, there's four what we call non-REM stages and one REM stage. Here are the basics. Stage three and four has actually been combined to now be just called stage three. And this is the physical restoration. So you want to get about 25% of your night should be in the physical restorative fashion. That has a tendency to occur in the front end of the night. 
REM sleep, which also makes up about 25%, is your mental restoration. This is where we see information moving from your short-term memory to your long-term memory. Um, this is where we see um, the processing of information. Um, so as a matter of fact, right now, a lot of people who've been in quarantine have been reporting what we call quarantine dreaming. So this is high stress dreams that are occurring, very vivid dreams that are occurring for people during times of stress um, and sort of what's happening with those. And we know that as people chop off the back half of their sleep, so as an example, let's say you need seven hours, but you only get five, the two hours that you miss, REM has a tendency to be mostly in the back half of the night. So you basically just cut off all of your REM sleep, which means you're gonna have a memorial problem or a memory issue. Um, and you're gonna think you've got dementia or Alzheimer's when the fact of the matter is, is you just need a freaking nap. So like, these are the things that people need to start to understand. Now, again, to be fair, you don't have to track these every single day and you don't have to know what each number is. There's now a disorder called orthosomnia, which is where you get addicted to tracking. Um, and all you wanna do is look at your numbers and that kind of thing, right? And so here's my, my advice to everybody out there about sleep, okay? Sleep is a lot like love. The less you look for it, the more it shows up, okay? Right, so if you're out there trying to find that perfect person for you, you're never going to find them. But the second you stop, your buddy says, hey, let's go get a cup of coffee and they invite a friend and all of a sudden you're in love. So at the end of the day, you don't, you wanna allow the natural sleep process to occur and you wanna create an environment in which it, it will allow that natural process to occur. So that might include everything from blue light blocking glasses to a better pillow, to a mattress, uh, to a sound machine or earplugs, as well as to stress reduction, right? So there's external, but there's also internal environment that we must create, right? And so remember, sleep is not an on-off switch. It's not like we go back to that room, we snap our fingers and we fall asleep. There's a process that should be occurring here. It's kind of like landing a plane, right? You need some runway, right? Uh, you need runway to take off and you need runway to, to, to land. And I would argue that sleep is, is very similar. That's really interesting. Maybe that's why I've been unlucky in love. And I always think my soulmate's probably on another planet. And I, I've asked that. I've said, well, what if my actual, what, what if the one for me is not on planet Earth? Luckily, the government recently announced that UFOs are real. And, they, yes. and so maybe now I've got a little bit of hope that my Romulan is coming to find me. You know? so, I'm sorry, I'm a bit of a geek. But, you know, it's just, uh, but maybe it's, I, I've been too much either obsessed with looking for it. And I, I'm going to try that technique out, actually, because it's worked for sleep. I don't look for sleep. I just get great sleep. And uh, I'm going to have, I'm going to So let me tell you the science. Yeah, so let me tell you the science behind not looking for sleep, because there's actually science behind it. Because as you know, everything I do has got data behind it. So here's what's interesting, right, is when you try to actively sleep, when you tell your brain, okay, I want to go to sleep now, as soon as you realize that that's not happening, you get upset, right? You get pissed off, Yeah. right? It's kind of oh, like yeah. you look at, right? So you're lying there and you, you turn over, what do you do? You look at the clock shit, it's an hour past where I was supposed to be falling asleep. And then you, you look again, it's another 45 minutes. So what happens is autonomic arousal, right? And so your body, your blood pressure goes up, your heart rate goes up. You can't sleep like that, guys. Your heart rate needs to be at 60 or below to enter into a state of unconsciousness. That's the only statistic, honestly, that anybody out there needs to know about sleep. If you can get your heart rate to be 60 or below, 
you have a very good chance of being able to fall asleep if you're doing this within your circadian rhythm. All right, that's interesting. My resting heart rate is very low, a little bit like a super athlete's one, which is mm-hmm. sometimes why when I if I get up too quick, I get a little light melted. Right, but uh, yeah. but uh, that's interesting. That's maybe that's why I've never had jet lag, never had trouble falling there asleep. I fall asleep in a plane. I could sit down, and 15 minutes later, I'm asleep. It's just by choice. I'm just like this is going to be yep. a boring trip. I don't want to watch crap, so I'm just gonna <laughs> I'm just gonna sleep through it and pass the time. So I've I've done that before. Um, I'm, I have more questions for you. Not that many but joe actually has a really good follow-up question she says wow so much in there i need to listen again to digest it all so <laughs> that's awesome but she asks a really pertinent question and i'm sure. hoping you don't give an answer which means i'm gonna have to go to the store how do i choose a good pillow got it so this is a this is a great uh this is a great question and so step number one is um there's three questions that you have to ask in order to figure out what kind of pillow you need. So number one, squishy or firm, right? So do you like a pillow that you can manipulate and and kind of change the form of, or do you prefer something that's more of a foam-based kind of block of cheese type of thing, right? You'd be surprised, you'd be surprised. Um, A lot of people do. So what's interesting is people who like the foam um, ones are usually people with upper neck or shoulder pain um, because it stabilizes their head and neck, and that stabilization allows for support and allows for relaxation of the musculature. And so that's one of the reasons why people might like a foam-based pillow, or as I call it, a block of cheese. Um, (laughs) Step number two is what is your starting sleep position, okay? So if you're a back sleeper, you need a thin pillow. But if you're a side sleeper, you need something that's gonna make up the space between your ear and the outside of your shoulder, because what you always want is you want your nose in line with your sternum. Right? So this, so if your head is leaning to one side, it's causing tension in that neck and that causes pain and that sends a signal to your brain and it actually affects deep sleep. So it turns out that a pillow, I've actually saved more people's lives helping them get the right pillow than the right mattress, believe it or not. Pillows turn out to be, and it's a much less expensive uh, way of doing it. Um, so that, those are, that's the second question. The third question is pain. So are you experiencing any upper neck from your ears down through your shoulder pain. Because if you are, there are definitely different orthopedic pillows out there that you should be considering and things like that. Once you get through those three questions, it should give you kind of a a good place to start. Now, I will be very honest with you. There are some pillows out there that I love. Um, My favorite pillow is by a company called Infinite Moon and it's called The Curve. And the reason that I like it is most pillows, um, when they come together, the two pieces of fabric meet and that's called a knife edge. Um, I prefer pillows that have a gusset, which is a, a piece of fabric that goes around. And the reasoning is, is because when, when two pieces of fabric come together like this and you put your head on it, you don't get total support down to the base of your neck. You only get support about from your ear upwards. If you notice when you lie your head on a pillow, there's like a gap here of air or space, that's bad. And so what this pillow does is it actually sits on the top of your shoulder and actually spans the distance. So it actually curves, it has a sh- it almost like a moon shape to it. And when I set it right there, it works out perfectly for me because I'm a side sleeper. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, I, I'm a multi-sleeper. So sometimes I'm on the right, sometimes I'm on the left side, yeah. sometimes I'm like a corpse on my back. So yes, yes, I, yes. And, and, and that is common. Um, for people in two different categories. So one is people who are too warm, uh, and the other is for people who have too firm of a mattress because they're trying to get comfortable. So some of that can depend. Some people are just move around a lot in their sleep and you could easily be be one of those people. And just to be clear, I don't sleep with one pillow. I sleep with four. 
So I have one in between my legs. I have one that I actually, so I'm, I'm a Superman sleeper. Um, so if you're a side sleeper, you're because you, I've got one arm, right, that goes up like this, so I feel like Superman. Or you could be the soldier, right, which is the two arms like but, mm. right in front of you, by in front of you. So I'm a Superman sleeper, so I have one pillow that's under my head here, but then I have another pillow to rest my arm on, because otherwise I hyperextend my elbow, and that hurts. And then I have one pillow that's literally on, uh, like on my ear, because my wife likes to fall asleep with the television on, and my bulldog snores. And so my bulldog is in bed with me and my wife is watching television next to me and that's my routine. And, and so you're gonna be thinking, oh my God, this guy's the sleep doctor and he's like MacGyver in his bed with pillows. Yeah. What's, what's going on here, that. right? Right. And I so, have two cats with me. Yeah, so, and, and cats are super nocturnal creatures, right? And so they like making muffins in the middle of the night, like they do that weird thing. I don't know what that is, by the way. I have a cat that it wanders around as well. So like, here's the thing that I want everybody to get from this is sleep is individual, okay? I'm not saying that you need to sleep with four pillows. I'm saying that's what I do. So figure out what works for you and then figure out why that works for you. And then if you wanna remove any of those things with healthy alternatives, then that's what you do, right? So it, it's not unhealthy for me to have four pillows, right? That's a great solution as opposed to not sleeping in the room with my wife and my, and my dogs, right? And so you can find very appropriate solutions in very unique ways, I guess the point. Yeah, no, and that's really, no, that's really good. And um, I'm going to write down or maybe you can send it to me because Joe wants to know if you, the name yeah. of that pillow you mentioned. So she'll, Of course, she it's called The Curve by Everpillow, but we'll, we'll get you a link and we can put it in the show notes. Yeah, for sure. The, the Curve by Everpillow. I'm not going to get one because I'm happy with my pillows. They're, they're good. They're, I've got, I've got uh, combinations. I've got thin one. Big, uh, yeah. I, I'm already doing it. So it's actually pretty, I'm happy with that answer because I don't have to go and make purchases. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so um, let's, let's go back to talk about you then. So um, in the last remaining questions that we got, so how has leveraging proven strategies affected your earning capacity? Quite a bit. So, you know, coming at this, I was a doctor, right? Like, I don't know about digital marketing and all of that kind of stuff. But yet my goal was to get my my mission out, my, my word out to people. And so I would say that using, um, you know, solid digital marketing, understanding those techniques, developing a Facebook, um, you know, following, understanding how to use lookalike audiences, understanding what email is and why it's important, capturing email, and then delivering really good content. Um, that's been kind of what I've learned across the ways. And that's, that's really been the, the, the hallmark of our business mm -hmm. has been just delivery of really good content. Yeah. And sir, I'm on your list and it's one of the lists that I don't unsubscribe from because it really is good. I don't, I'm not, you know, of, uh, insane so i don't uh read every single word of every Please single don't. email you send out i read only what's you know yeah. sparks my curiosity but i don't unsubscribe from it because there's always something in there i'm like oh that's interesting and sometimes i just read the blurb i yeah. don't always click on the uh, on the full article but there's always something interesting uh something interesting in there for me so um what's the best strategy that you ever learned uh, ostensibly from somebody else. I don't know if it was yep. something from Dr. Dement, who recently <laughs> uh, left our world to the dreamland above, but um, and what impact did it have on your business? So I'll tell you the biggest secret that I learned, um, and it had to do with my books. So uh, for my most recent book launch, which was approximately five years ago, The Power of When, 
um, which is the book about chronotypes and learning what all that kind of good stuff. Um, what I discovered, uh, so I launched my book from um, Dr. Oz's television show. Okay, that was where I launched my book from. And Dr. Oz has been a tremendous mentor to me for a very long time. He's been really quite wonderful. Um, he really kind of took me under his wing. Um, and we had 23 minutes on his show about my book. So when we looked back within that next week, we sold about 750 copies of the book, which was very surprising. We thought we would have sold much more than that. When I went and did Dave Asprey's podcast and it dropped, I sold almost 3000 copies of my book. Okay. And so what we discovered very quickly is that podcasting is a wonderful place um, to talk about new book launches and things like that versus television. Uh, for, my, for me, for my topic and for my audience. What we basically discovered is people who watch TV, watch TV and people who listen to podcasts read books. Um, and so I went on a tear and I went, I did 30 podcasts, no, I did 50 podcasts after the launch of my book. And we're honing in now on north of 85,000 copies sold. Um, wow, just okay, that's from, pretty good. Right. And I mean, most people don't sell more than 5,000 copies of their book. I'm at 85,000 copies. And, the, and again, I really contributed to podcasting and being a, being a good podcast guest. Um, and then basically having something to send some people to that's really interesting and fun. And so, as you said, you took the chrono quiz, you enjoyed it. And so that process of having a podcast and then sending people to a quiz was the most critical thing for my business because now we have almost a thousand people a day are signing up via the quiz um, and I get I capture their email and then I'm able to market to them appropriately based on their chronotype so as an example we know we, we tag each person that comes through the door so we know what their issues are because they tell us and we only market products to them that will actually solve their problem right and so I'm not going to send an eye mask to somebody who's got an issue with sound um, in, in their bedroom type of thing. I'm gonna to talk to them about earplugs or about a sound machine. So the goal is really to have podcasting, send people to the quiz, people engage, learn something about themselves, and then we have a personalized email drip campaign that goes to them. That whole arc has worked extremely well um, for, the, for the Sleep Doctor brand. And, and yeah. the good, the good news is, is like, it's all real data, dude. Like it's all good information, good content. So, so people come back just like you said, because it's interesting or it's relevant or it's just useful. It is. Yeah. And it, it very much, and it works and it works. And that's the key. Uh, just Dave, Dave Asprey is interesting because I, I like a lot of his stuff. In fact, I, I like the, the oil that he makes and recommends. And in fact, I recommended it to my mom who had a brain tumor removed um, a year and a half, uh, a year and wow. a month ago, uh, a benign brain tumor removed. And she's 99% better, I would say. She's, you know, if you met her, you know, you wouldn't be able to tell there was anything wrong with her. Uh, she's back to her old self, in fact, better. And um, interestingly enough, um, she went through a period of time with intense cravings for pastries and sweets and all that kind of stuff. And, oh, that's interesting. And one of the things that um, was a game changer for her was that, that oil that he recommends, because I take it as uh, well, a, a, a tablespoon a day. And right. she, she says that funny enough i 
don't have cravings to binge eat pastries when I take this oil in the morning. I'm like, that's what it's supposed to do. But it also helps with cognition, with memory, with this, that, and the other thing. And so I, I really love that. He also recommends, uh, by the way, um, eye protection glasses, a different, a different brand. Uh, I don't know if he's involved with that company, but they're, so they're also he, very he good. Actually, yeah, he actually has his own brand of blue light blocking glasses called True Dark. Um, yeah. They're excellent. Um, and he and I, it's so funny because we're kind of in competing businesses, but we recommend each other's products all the time yeah. um, because he, he goes to the extreme. So he's got a pair of glasses that zero blue light comes in. So I actually use those I when them. I travel. I have them. I use them before bed. <laughs> yeah, I have them too. Yeah. And so I travel with them because if I stick those on and I'm on an airplane, like done game over for me and i told i told him that the other i actually was talking to him the other day and i told him about that so it's like you know and that and so this is a great example of collaborative yet competitive people who are trying to do the same thing and help people right is dave and i both recognize hey blue light blocking glasses are something that's important he did his version i did my version and i promote him and he promotes me because it works right it not works. not one solution is for everybody Exactly. And it, it's not just that. It's just, it's just, they work also for different purposes because I, exactly. I tell people when they see, you know, when, uh, that I have those red ones and it's like, don't wear them like in the daytime because they're like a sleeping pill. They knock you out those things. Absolutely. So, uh, and, and so I, I literally put them on half hour, hour before bed. The rest of the time I don't, I don't touch them, but they're, right. they're very, very good. So you're, you're totally, totally right about that. So I think I know the answer to this next question. And, and that is, what single strategy are you best known for? I believe it's the chronotypes, isn't it? Yeah. So within that universe, I would say, yeah, for sure. It's the chronotypes. Um, I wrote my second book was all about weight loss and how how to lose weight through better sleep. Um, and that was based on the work of Dr. Ev Ben Coulter at the University of Chicago. So for a while there, I was kind of the sleep and weight loss guy. Now I'm more of the chronotype um, guy and, and we're moving um, into a new area. I just actually signed um, a publishing deal for a new book and it's going to be all about energy. And so how do you use sleep and movement to have more energy? Because at the end of the day, let's be honest, like sleep is cool and interesting and fun, but energy is where it's at, right? Like, I mean, I sleep to have energy, right? I sleep yeah. to have time with my friends and my family and career and things like that. And so that's where the, the next book is headed for sure. Oh, that's really cool. Uh, I'll, I'll be excited for that. That's for sure. So um, what's, what's the best number one strategy you're implementing in 2020? So in 2020, I think the biggest thing for me, so this is going to sound um, very non-logical, very non-data driven, um, which is unlike me. And that's part of the reason that I did it. And so I had a friend um, come to me and he made me these, this bracelet. I don't know if people can see it. It's got this, it's this oh, yeah. ring. I noticed that earlier, this little Chinese coin thing. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's, so it's, a, it's a ring and you can put words on the ring. And so I decided that in January of this year that there were there were two words that I was going to focus on this year and I put them on this bracelet so I see them every day and the words are positivity and patience. And what I can tell you is those two words have helped my business more than anything any technique, any thing, any marketing strategy that I've ever ever had. It's not is when I'm in a business deal and I'm negotiating something or I'm talking with people about things, it's always trying to look at the positive 
um, aspects of it, even if that individual might not be, um, and then being patient um, and really letting people talk and getting their information out and then being able to respond and, you know, becoming a listener as opposed to a a talker i think that's really where it's going to be in my business here and it's it's paid off quite quite nicely that is really really good lesson but it's also one of those things we mentioned it earlier it's perennial it's evergreen it's not just for you i mean what's that old saying uh the Lord God gave you two ears and one mouth, use them proportionately, right. uh, you know, patience, uh, patience, persistence is another good one. I mean, though, these, these are timeless concepts that affect way more than, than you right. or sleep or anything like that. I have, um, before we end off, I think, uh, what is, let me just see what Joe's uh, final comment is. Ah, okay. She says, and this is actually really interesting, actually. So I'm going to read it to you. She says, uh, in traditional Chinese medicine, it suggests at different time, different parts of your organ is rejuvenated or repaired. I I recognize what she's saying because I studied the martial arts. I'm a second degree black belt. And there's an ancient text called the Bubishi, which followed the circulation of the the, the old code of the martial artist. The sun and the moon are the same as the circulation of the blood and the stars or something weird like that. And actually, if you remember Kill Bill, the dim mock, the death touch, Remember that? Actually, yeah. I, I, I know that. That's a real technique, but it was, it was so complicated because the, the, the sequence of like strikes had to be, ta- were different whether it was at noon, one, two, depending on the time of day it was. So I recognize what she's saying. So um, it's rejuvenated or repaired. So if you perpetually miss that timing, then that part of your organ will be in trouble. She wants to know what's your comment. And then she has another one. Is it true if you sleep before 12 a.m., every one hour of physical sleep is equivalent to two hours of sleep? Really so the last, So the last question, there's no data to support that one hour before midnight is worth two after midnight. Everybody comes at me with that one. There's zero data behind it. So just to let you know, um, when you're looking at the um, ancient uh, Chinese medicine and the text, so let's be very clear, they've been studying sleep for thousands of years. We, the first sleep clinic in the United States was in 1946 in Walla Walla, Washington, studying narcolepsy. So I think that the, 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 that historical perspective is tremendous and something that we have to have a, a tremendous respect for. Uh, and to be fair, a lot of us here don't have a, a, a real deep understanding of the tradition, of the story, of, of, of the belief system and, and how sleep falls into the spiritual nature of the human existence. So I would say that a lot of us don't know and understand that, but to be clear, there's definitely something there. Um, and, and it really comes through with my chronotypes, right? And so w- what we discover is, is and, and it actually fits nicely, uh, believe it or not, it also fits nicely within, within the world of Ayurveda, um, because within the world of Ayurvedic medicine, there are times that have different times that are important and different people have those different timing schedules in different ways. So I would say there's tremendous validity there, but yet we still don't have a translation. We still don't have a, a meeting of those minds. And I think we're I think we're getting closer. I think we're starting to see more products, more services, more content that's coming out about Eastern philosophical um, 
medicine and how that works and, and the traditions thereof. So I would argue that there's a lot of validity there. Um, if you look at my chronotypes and you take the chronotype, you'll it, it actually falls in line almost perfectly with exactly what we're talking about. Um, unbeknownst to me, by the way, I just followed the science. Um, but you know, remember, tradition oftentimes is based on natural phenomena that have occurred, and natural phenomena oftentimes can be described by science. So it's not particularly surprising that everybody over there figured it out long before we did. <laughs> um, and I have great respect for that. Of course, yeah, and it's it's comparing empirical data. It's comparing also uh, inductive reasoning versus deductive reasoning, or combining. Right. I've always been a fan, and every everything that I do of combining both induction and deduction, because I think that is. Uh, you ask me if it's a chicken and the egg scenario. How do you? Where do you? It's a vicious cycle. What do you? Well, you combine right. both inductive and deductive reasoning. You start somewhere, you solve right. that, and you use that to then solve the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. If you don't have the hypothesis, so so in other words, I think that is a, a wonderful combination that we definitely should be doing. So I mean, that really is all of my questions, and it's good to end on the chronotypes because. Uh, my final sort of question is, how do we learn more about your proven process? And I think the best thing for people to do, and this is my opinion, but you you do what you want, is for people to go and take the chronotype quiz, find out what their chronotype is, their sleep type is, what's the best optimum pattern for them, for their health, for their longevity, for their performance, their energy, for everything, their weight loss. That's my opinion. So if you want, send them there. If not, send them elsewhere. I love it. So is it so so where where is that? Go ahead and tell us. Where is what? Help me understand the question. The chronotype. The chronotype. Send them to oh. where they can learn about that. Oh, I'm sorry. So it's easy to find. You just go to www.chronoquiz dot com c h r o n o q u i z dot com or you can go to the power of when quiz that's the name of the book um, both uh, websites will t both URLs will take you to the same website um, and it's a two minute quiz it really doesn't take long at all it's a lot of fun and then afterwards I will teach you based on your chronotype the perfect time to go to bed uh, when to go for a run when to drink caffeine and when to drink alcohol and that's all free you get it all absolutely fantastic and so i want to encourage everybody listening to this whether you are watching it live or whether you're listening to the podcast <laughs> or whether you are watching this on youtube to go to and yes joe i will type it out here i will send it to you don't worry about that to go to chronoquiz.com and take that quiz. It'll take you two minutes. I've done it twice just for fun. Um, and you will learn the best pattern of sleeping for you, the best environment for you. It will make all the difference for your energy, your vitality, your sex life, your weight loss, your, there is nothing that it won't affect. And you may potentially even be able to cut back a little bit on some of the, you know, yeah. drugs and medication because you can't fall asleep. Who knows? I don't know. But it's certainly worth a try. It certainly can do no harm and it won't hurt. So it's C-H-R-O-N-O-Q-U-I-Z.com, chronoquiz.com. Go there like now. <laughs> 
actually wait no uh go there in a minute because we'll say goodbye and then go okay <laughs> so go. uh dr bruce michael thank you yeah. from the bottom of my heart thank you for being here i know that everybody listening watching has gotten tremendous value we've already had a few comments so we totally appreciate that and um guys one last comment for me this guy's 10 years older than me and yes we're on zoom maybe he has that function that like irons out the wrinkle a little bit i don't know i do not but i do not sleep, have any ironing function no filter sleep no filter. does wonders you'll never and i look young mm, he's 10 years older so anyway guys the proof is in the pudding or the proof is in the pillow so dr bruce go. thank you so much for coming thanks for having me man this has been a lot of fun i appreciate it hope to come back soon I, uh, it's up to you, man, because I would love to have you. I could talk to you every day. So thank you very much. We'll end the live stream. You've got a, you've got a good night from Joe's. Uh, uh, probably going thanks, to bed Joe. now where she's in the world. Good night, Joe. And um, I'm going to stop the live stream. So thanks for watching. Thank you, Joe. And I'm going to stop the recording now. So thank you, everybody, for listening. Just an answer. Remember, we are fulfilling our human potential. And I'll tell you one thing to end off. You cannot do that if you're sleep deprived.